Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends. Today we have a special episode that I'm really excited to share with you. Back in 2019, in the very early days of this podcast, I interviewed Dr. Evelyn Dacker, the creator of The Stars Conversation, which is an outline for how to talk about sex with someone before your pants come off. Then I demonstrated a Stars Conversation with my friend Ray, and I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. Since then, so many of you have contacted me to say how helpful The Stars Conversation has been for you. So today, I'm offering you a longer, more in-depth stars conversation between Samara and Caleb. If you've ever wondered if the stars conversation is reserved just for people who haven't had sex together before, no, (laughs) you'll hear today that it can even be used by people who are already in established relationships to clarify their wants and needs and dive deeper into things they may have assumed but not dive deep into before. Because this is so different from our normal episode, it requires a little bit of setup. When we recorded this, Samara and Caleb were planning to move in together after 10 months of dating. Samara had just finished a training to become a STARS facilitator, so she's leading Caleb through the steps. It was the first time they were having this conversation together, and they very kindly agreed to let me record them. I popped in occasionally with questions to deepen or clarify, but for the most part, it's just the two of them talking to each other. One of the things I was most impressed by as they talked was the way they kept checking in with each other. Samara checking for consent before moving forward in the conversation. Both of them asking to make sure they were understanding each other and going deep into topics they had glossed over in the past. For instance, they take time to really explore what each of their definitions of monogamy is and also to delve into their feelings about giving and receiving dirty talk. For those of you new to the STARS talk, each of the letters represents an aspect of sex and sexuality. When you cover all five letters, you have a solid basis for a healthy and positive sexual encounter. Anything from a casual one-night stand to a committed long-term relationship. The letters stand for S for STI status, T for turn-ons, A for avoids or turn-offs, R for relationship expectations and intentions, and S for safer sex practices. Samara is a 29-year-old cis female who describes herself as white, monogamous, partnered with Caleb, and she describes her body as athletic and curvy. Caleb is a 29-year-old cisgender male who describes himself as white, heterosexual, monogamous, partnered with Samara, and he describes his body as athletic. I am so pleased to introduce Samara and Caleb. So the first S is the STI status. So I I was tested before we started dating That test was only for chlamydia, uh, syphilis, gonorrhea. I did have a previous diagnosis of HSV2. I did have a genital outbreak when I first got that diagnosis. And for that, I take my antivirals as a suppression. It's a one a day, one a day dose. 
am only sexually active with you. You know, I have um, an IUD in, but in terms of actual barriers, we don't use anything after we had that conversation and determined we were monogamous and only seeing each other. And in terms of the actual medication, I, I don't get any side effects from that. And I haven't had, I actually haven't had an outbreak with that medication. I can't even remember the last time I had an outbreak. So I guess first I want to check in and see if you have any questions about that on my end. We've talked a fair amount about it, so I don't think there's much that's unclear about <laughs> that. It was a couple weeks, a couple, three weeks after we started dating, I went and got tested uh, for chlamydia, gonorrhea. I'm not sure if it was for syphilis, and I did do the blood work for the um, for HIV, but it was inconclusive. There was something wrong with the the blood work, so no results on that, but I'm fairly confident that's not an issue. Um, given my past, what else am I missing? I feel like there's more. I guess I have a question that we haven't talked about before is in terms of getting tested, you know, you and I are monogamous and we have been dating for a while, but what about getting tested like in our relationship? Do you have any thoughts or feelings on, on that? I guess my gut reaction is that it doesn't seem necessary. It seems like it's unlikely that if there isn't the introduction of another partner, that there's going to be any new changes to those test mm -hmm. results. The only thing I'm, I guess I was thinking of is maybe those HSV. That question did jog something. Yeah. I guess I hadn't really considered me getting tested. I'm HSV negative as of the last time that I got tested, whereas you're HSV positive. So I guess that wasn't something I had considered, I guess I sort of assumed that if I showed symptoms, then mm. uh, a check-in to see if that is what it is made sense. But monitoring it regularly wasn't really something I had considered. Mm -hmm. I'm open to it if that's something. I don't need that for my own comfort, okay. I wouldn't think. And I don't need it for my comfort either currently. And I guess maybe we say if that changes for us, we can circle back to it. Sure. Okay. The, my favorite one, this is the, the turn ons section. So, um, I think what for me would feel good in this section is I'll kind of just start saying some things that do, um, turn me on or get me aroused or, or bring me to a place where I feel really in my body embodied and sensual. And then I always want you to feel like you can ask questions or jump in. I don't want to just like read you a list. Sure. The first thing I had was deep belly laughing when, um, when we're laughing together and really laughing with you is one of my favorite things. And it, and I think we, you and I have had this conversation where for me, things that make me feel turned on are a lot of things that aren't actually sexual by nature. And so I guess that's maybe a good place to start is like, there are a lot of things outside of that specific definition of sex that make me feel sensual. And so things that are like, that are like that are the laughing um, and being physically active with you. So doing really fun activities. Is that that it makes you feel more, well, not sexually aroused, maybe in a traditional sense, more interested in intimacy mm. in a broader sense? Mm. That's what I'm curious about, because I would say that I differ in that way, in that it isn't that I don't enjoy those things. It's just that I don't necessarily find them as a turn on mm -hmm. in how I would maybe define that term. I don't know specifically. It's almost just like a positive feedback loop. Like if we're really laughing mm -hmm. or we're doing something like, you know, when we went climbing and doing something new, it almost makes my body want to lean in more. It's like, it's that kind of dual mechanism where it just taps the gas. It taps the gas slightly more and like takes away the brakes. So I wouldn't say it, it like instantly makes me want to drop to the floor and fuck, but it's like, it makes sure. my body want to be closer to you and like lean in. And then like, I guess getting more specific, I actually get really turned on talking about sex with you when we have conversations. That's always something that really turns me on. And Same. <laughs> yeah, it makes me more open to 
newer things mm. too. It, like I feel like it makes me more interested in sex as a, as an idea as well as like a thing to mm-hmm. do. You know, like talking about it rather than it just being like a boilerplate. Like hearing other people's ideas is really nice. You know, when we look at apps together, like the Comma app, or even just fun things like trying to figure out new positions, I almost think it's really important when we do that not in like lying down in bed naked together. Like if we're sitting on the couch almost in a non-sexual way as foreplay kind of to, to feel like we can get creative and explore that way. And that line too, I really like hearing what turns you on when we're talking about sex that also turns me on. Um, I do love when you make sounds (laughs) and unfortunately my neighbors probably don't, but I really like hearing it and that also it's again that feedback loop it like lets me know that you're super in the moment which then allows me to get in the moment. So far no complaints. So that's <laughs> that's, that's for the best. That's good. Um I really at, like random acts of kindness that you do that so often and that it is it's that's a turn on for me. Um a big one also is having emphasis be on pleasure rather than either one of us just achieving orgasm. And I don't want to say just achieving orgasm, but having the entire experience be about giving and receiving pleasure rather than making someone come, which obviously I I like to do that. And I like that to be part of it, but not having that be the sole focus. How is that one for you? I, that's a new one for me. And I think that that is the way that I had approached intimacy for a really long time, that it was mostly about achieving orgasm for both parties. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of the way that we started our relationship where we, because of your HSV status and me waiting to get tested, like us being intimate, but not necessarily in a penetrative or like we weren't, intimate in a way that was really about orgasm for a while when we first started to get to know each other and it was an electrifying time yeah you know? <laughs> it's the, like that wasn't about orgasm mm-hmm. so but was extremely pleasurable so i definitely can relate mm-hmm. to that i think i can sometimes forget it though i do think that i more than you tend to fall back into those that like older mindset of orgasm kind of being what sex is about Mm. or what intimacy can be about Mm. not intentionally i think it's just or old not habits but patterns of thinking that are hard to change Mm -hmm. do you feel comfortable sharing some things that turn you on yeah yeah i really like lingerie not for myself when you're when you're wearing it Uh, also would be okay (laughs) if you did (laughs) sure sure that's um maybe a future future exploration (laughs) but i think that that like sort of you doing something special for me feels really really nice you know i really like going places with you as well like when we're going somewhere that we haven't been before in a car for some reason that really makes me excited anything about the car specifically (laughs) (laughs) There was that one time where you brought up Roadhead and that has forever since yeah. been, hasn't happened yet still, but has forever been um, maybe a reason why I find cars <laughs> such an exciting env- environment for me. Fair. <laughs> but, but also, but also like being somewhere new with you where we haven't been before is a turn on. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know. It's kind of exciting to be with you somewhere that's not comfortable and being intimate in, in those settings, I think mm-hmm. is a turn on. I really like sexting like pictures, especially I think are a big mm. turn on. So some of my favorite places to be touched on my body are kind of general touch all over at first and then going lightly on my back or my neck. And I really love when you touch my butt just kind of all over And then kind of after all of that, touching my vulva or my labia, that to me is very arousing. Are there any spots specifically for you that you like to be touched in? Yeah, I mean, I I like when when you touch my thighs. Yeah, I guess during 
during intimacy, I found like, I really like when you, when you touch me, my genitals with your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never really enjoyed it as much as I do with you, I would say. And that's like a newer experience <laughs> as well. Like using hands more in intimacy mm-hmm. is something that is newer and really exciting to me and more exploratory than it's ever been. That thing about just regular penetrative orgasm not be the goal. I feel like it's really fun for me to to explore touching your body in new ways that also then feel good for you. And so that's been, I would say the same for me too. I like, I love actually the nights where we both just come from hand stuff. I think that's one of sometimes my favorite nights. Yeah. feels like almost like ancient. <laughs> I don't know. Like that maybe that's like, it feels like old and like mm. very deeply connected. Mm-hmm. When I touch you, with my hands, I am receiving pleasure still that way because I know like it it will really just feel good on my hands. It feels good to touch you that way. But I think there's almost for me a deeper sense or connection sometimes because it almost direct genital stimulation and orgasm can almost be over. It's just so much sensation that it, it's hard to actually process all at once. And so when I'm pleasuring you with my hands, I feel like I can really be present to your orgasm which makes me feel ace again, so turned on and then just like really happy to see your pleasure. It's the same for me, I would say. Yeah. It feels more like I'm connected to your body. Mm-hmm. If I'm not, if my body isn't so fully involved, like if I'm just using my hands, it's like a focal point mm. of a, an activity rather than I think like penetrative sex can often feel not like performative, but extremely involved mm-hmm. uh, and hard to focus on any one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. I'd like to jump in yeah. for a second. Sure. Um, you're talking about the, the activities that are fun without having to move to orgasm. And Caleb, I heard you say that sometimes you fall back into mm-hmm. just sort of moving toward orgasm. Are there ways that Samara can touch you or speak to you mm. that will remind you to connect back in? Um, well, we've something that we've been doing more that feels really good is like taking breaks to do things like drink water. It's kind of like stopping and talking for a minute and checking in. Sometimes it can almost, I think sex can almost feel like not out of body, but like I can feel myself floating away a little bit. And that really like reconnects me to my body and to Samara. And Samara, is that satisfying for you? Mm. That that being able to to sort of take a, a moment and then come back together. Definitely, I feel like whenever one of us initiates that moment, it it if I'm the one initiating it, it feels I, I like being able to to offer that, and then if he initiates that moment, usually I'm like, oh, you know what? Actually, yeah, I really do need water. I really need to go pee. And it just helps kind of, even if I wasn't feeling ungrounded, it, it kind of helps me reground in a different way. And so I, I think that's, I think we've been doing more of that too. And it's just felt, it's kind of revolutionary. I also, I actually really appreciate that question because now I'm also thinking it, gives a little bit of space for me just to ask myself, not that it's not about you, Kayla, but in that moment, it's almost like we, we talk about sex brain. It is a very real thing. Like your body can sometimes take over it, which then means maybe my mind disassociates a little bit. And so I have really appreciated those moments where you either, you're either sensing it kind of in me or in yourself, but it allows us to decide actively decide what's going to feel best and and that's all I want this experience to ever be is just us kind of navigating how to feel good with each other. Let's see. So, I guess I'm just curious, Caleb, how do you like to refer to your genitals? Hmm. I I don't know. I don't refer to them all that often, I guess. Um <laughs> I don't have that <laughs> that sort of dialogue per se with them, but um, I don't know, just penis, I guess, mm-hmm. is what I refer to it as. Is there anything 
that you would like me to refer to them as or not to refer to them as? I I haven't had any issues, I think. Okay. I usually refer to my genitals as, I guess I say my pussy most of the time. And then it's usually that's more in a sexual context. And then in just a day-to-day conversation <laughs> as they come up, I guess I would say vulva or vagina. Any kind of other last thoughts or questions you have about turn-ons? Mm, I've recently liked my butthole being touched more. Mm. That's a that's a very new discovery for me. <laughs> <laughs> very new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is something that I was feeling, I think, a lot of insecurity about. Mm. Um, I think that being more exploratory and willing to try new things with you has opened me up to feeling comfortable, though. Mm-hmm. I feel very comfortable being intimate with you. So... I think that things that would otherwise normally be things I'm not not comfortable with are no longer not comfortable. Mm. So that's a new, a, I guess, a new a new way in which being touched feels good. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question about that? Sure. Um, well, yay! <laughs> that's exciting. <laughs> do you want to explore maybe? A, like a finger being inserted or do you like just kind of external play around your butt area? Um, I don't have a desire for that, but I guess I don't, I think because it all feels so new at the moment, what feels good is just like surface mm-hmm. touching and kind of like lightly, not like directly or even like direct pressure on the butt, the butthole. But I have noticed like, when if when you're touching me, when your hand like s- like slides there and grazes there, it's arousing for me, mm. which is a new experience for me for sure. Cool. I guess my answer to your question is I'm not sure because I haven't mm-hmm. thought that much ahead. I think it's just a, com- a continuing conversation. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. I, and on that note too, I guess just in terms of things I might be curious about playing with myself is I and we've talked about maybe blindfolding or. Or that idea of kind of switching dom and sub roles in the sense of having one night, but having us both kind of get to experience the one kind of being in charge of the sexual situation and then one person receiving and then having that role switch. So I, I definitely am game to explore those things more too. Yeah. Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. And together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. So after coming off of the turn-ons, going to the A, which is avoids. So 
if are you okay with kind of doing this the same way we did the turn-ons? Like I'll tell you a little bit about mine and then we can go back and forth. Sure. Okay. A big turnoff for me is when someone, uh, my partner has an orgasm. I have not yet achieved orgasm. And then there's a real kind of distancing, like that person has had their orgasm and then there's no real check-in moment, I think. And not even necessarily that I need to achieve my own orgasm, but that for me, I really need there to be a check-in or conversation after. And it's a really big turnoff for me when that doesn't happen because it can feel really isolating, I guess, after that. So, oh, and I really don't love being asked if I came because I feel like I, I guess that to me just feels like not that anyone should automatically know if I've come or not, but if there, if there's a question there about my experience, I think there are a lot better ways to ask me what my pleasure is, was at, what felt good, what could have felt better, things like that. Oh, and then a big avoid too is that if a pause or those moments we were talking about, like a reset moment, if that is something that makes the other person kind of bristle or feel like it pulls them out of the moment, that's a big avoid for me because sometimes I have trauma responses or triggers that come up in sexual experiences and I really, I really need to kind of feel safe taking those times. So it's definitely an avoid for me if someone isn't okay with that. Um, I do like my butt slapped. I don't want anything outside of the butt area slapped or spanked. Um, and choices about ejaculation fluid are, I have my IUD and I do feel, I actually really like when you come inside of me. For me, that's like this kind of really intense intimacy moment. And I am okay with you coming in my mouth also. I'm very happy with that. I think sometimes just depending on my mood, I might not want to swallow all the time. So, or have you come in my mouth all the time. So just having, and that's happened before where I think I've let you know, like tonight I'm not feeling up for that. So certain triggers for me are kind of, you know, these are things we've talked about based on my, my past. If there's any joke about people watching us or spying on us or being voyeuristic, that really is a mood killer for me and it makes me feel pretty unsafe. So I don't, I need that to be avoided. And I'm prone to getting paranoid about people spying on me sexually anyway. So that's a, that's definitely a big avoid for me. Um, and areas that I don't like to be touched, I would say that I don't, I kind I don't like to be touched on my clit or vulva labia area directly. Like I really can't have attention right on that area because that can almost feel a little bit too intense. And another, I would say turn off or avoid is just not having enough lube. Those are probably my, my big ones. So any, I guess first, any questions on maybe my avoids? Um, not too many. I guess the, the voyeuristic thing comes as a, not a surprise. I guess not the voyeuristic part, but the, the jokes about other people watching, I guess that isn't really the jokes part part in particular is not a thing that has come up before with us. I mean, I've never made those jokes, so mm-hmm. I, I guess that just seems like a thing that's new for mm-hmm. me to be hearing, but also makes sense. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't, I haven't really considered avoids. I don't think as much as turn-ons, I guess I, I tend to think about those more. I guess something that I found that is a bit of an avoid is like talking, talking during sex is newer for mm-hmm. me or like trying to like dirty talk is something that I'm not that comfortable with just from not having done it much. Um, I'm usually sounds, nonverbal sounds I'm really comfortable with, but saying words is pretty tough and a thing that's hard for me and maybe a turn off or, or a thing that really like pulls me back is being worried about misspeaking or when I'm misspeaking it being kind of like laughed at or, you know, that, that I guess feels de-escalating for me which i guess really just extends to trying to do anything that's new and it feeling like it's not 
received with uh, openness mm. is a thing that's that's tough because, like I said before, like all my sexual experience in the past has been a very generic, pretty standard, unexploratory sort of experience. So I guess I do feel a certain amount of insecurity around trying to do something that feels new and it not landing well. Um, mm. Whether or not it does not land well or, or it's just a perception of mine that it's, that it's not going to land well is something that is tough. Can I ask you a question about the, the one you said before this last one? So the kind of speaking sure. or dirty talk or trying like verbally to say things and maybe mixing them up and them not, and then being laughed at. Was that an accurate rephrasing? Yeah, I think that's more or less, okay. or not, not even necessarily laughed at, but it just, it just like, even it, it feels like a de-escalation for me personally. Okay. In so those moments. I, first of all, I'm so happy to like, cause that actually isn't one that I had heard necessarily before. And I think I'm so glad that you're sharing that with me because I, I guess the truth is I, I feel like I want to admit that for me, actually, sometimes I can get really giggly or sometimes to me, sex is actually just really funny and not at all because something you're doing is funny. It's sometimes I'm, I'm just in that kind of mood where things feel that can almost actually be one of my turn-ons now that I'm thinking about it is in that space of getting kind of giggly and touchy and, and silly. And so I, I guess, what am I trying to ask? I guess I'm trying to ask if there's a way as a partner that I can make sure that my, something that may turn me on isn't in the moment turning you off or how to kind of navigate that, your thoughts on navigating that, if it makes sense. Sure. I mean, I think that, well, it's a pretty personal experience for me that I think isn't necessarily one that has to do with you or any partner necessarily. I think it just has to do with not wanting to be criticized, which I Mm -hmm. think is like a pretty, a pretty deep thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I'm thinking of a specific situation on my end where I, we were like, cause I also like to talk dirty and so that's another thing, I guess, does it, how does it feel to be on the receiving end of me talking dirty if that's not necessarily a turn on for you? Oh, it's a turn on for you when you do. Okay. It, okay. It, yeah, okay. It, definitely, it definitely is a turn on when you talk dirty. For me, it has to do with my own insecurities about not being very good at it. Got you know it. what I mean? Okay. Or, or it being so new and something that is like mm. a thing I feel awkward and uncomfortable mm. doing. That's where that is where more or less all of the avoidance or turnoff mm-hmm. is rooted in is, which I think like uh, like probably the best way of getting better at anything that you're not good at is just to mm-hmm. keep trying. You know, mm-hmm. I think that that I would say is what would is like the most obvious way of working through it in my eyes would to be would be to just kind of work on it like see it's not a thing i'm not interested in doing it's just a thing i'm not good at doing well there was a moment i think where i i think we've both done this and so the specific situation i was thinking about there was one time we were having sex and i think i said i want to rub my dick on your clit mean like me as the person that has i have the clitoris and you have the dick but i just switched those words up and i remember thinking oh that's like really funny and laughing in the moment if you were the one to maybe mix those words up, me maybe trying to hold back from just giggling at a slip up like that. I, I guess it's not necessarily a fair expectation when something that's funny happens for you to not laugh at it. Um, I think that it's a very no- normal thing to do to laugh at it. Can I pop in for yeah. a second? Yeah. I love this conversation. Um, Caleb, you said when you're trying something new, if the other person isn't enjoying it or you think that they're not enjoying it, that that is hard for you. How do you know somebody specifically smart is enjoying something? Sure. Well, I can kind of feel a physical difference in like body tension when you're enjoying something or when you're feeling 
good. You move more, and you, like, not just in the, like, your whole body moves more, I would say. This is kind of, like, how I've gauged it. I guess back to, like, the things like dirty talk and whether it's landing or pleasurable, I don't think that I do know. I think that it's just that I, it's all my own perception, not based off of anything that feels real. The, like the nature of that for me is like the uncertainty is the thing that is the, the, the difficult thing. Samar, you you communicate pretty well when things aren't feeling good. So I guess in a lot of ways, I know when things aren't good because we talk, I'm wondering if maybe for both of us, what could help with that is actually saying when we are enjoying things just as much, if not more as when we say we don't like something. Like I think both of us are pretty good at maybe saying, will you actually try it this way? Or will you move a little this way or do this? But I think, I think, yeah, I like that question is making me think too of like, yeah, how am I actually letting you know? I kind of like the idea of not being afraid of being overly verbal in the sense of what actually is working. Would that feel like something maybe we could explore more of like trying to be more verbal about what is working, what is feeling good? Yeah. It would definitely decrease the amount of time wondering about those things or wondering Mm. about what you're feeling and what kind of avenues that you want to go down. Mm. Because I think what we end up doing is that we experience something and it feels good and then we talk after i think we Mm -hmm. we are good about that we talk about sex after sex i think most of the time and that's kind of when we discuss what did feel good but not as much in the moment which Mm -hmm. i think is definitely something that would be great to work on something recently that came up for me is i realized i actually need a little bit more validation when you're the one giving me pleasure that you're also enjoying that experience. And if you're not enjoying that experience, like I definitely don't want, you know, if your arm is getting tired fingering me, I don't want you to keep fingering me if it's like, (laughs) cause you pain. So I think not even just saying when things feel good, when we're the one on the receiving end, but it's, well, I've told you like sometimes you going down, I disassociate and I'm, that's a very, I have a hard time really being embodied when I'm receiving oral. And I think knowing, I mean, obviously you're busy, so you can't be chatting while you're going down, to me, yeah. but making some sort of either sound or, um, like coming up for air and saying, like reminding me that that's an enjoyable experience for you too, because I, I've told you like in my head, I just convince myself all of the shame things, right? Like that I smell, that you're, I'm, it's too messy. There's too much hair, whatever the thing is. And so knowing, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I have told you that I do enjoy that. Know, um, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. But I, I get that in the moment, like and, it yeah. can be hard to remember past conversations about like how I'm doing mm. and that be the reference point when you're experiencing it in real time. I think the shame voice, even like, I know you, I love you, and I trust you. And sometimes that shame voice is like, yeah, but he didn't really mean it. Like when it's in the moment, you know? Sure. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post. And if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month 
might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. One other thing I do want to maybe touch on here is porn and what category or both cat like I guess where that kind of falls in your turn ons or your avoids. It doesn't seem that significant except for maybe potentially us filming ourselves. I think we've talked about that before and that is kind of exciting. I don't also extremely nerve wracking and not something I'm actually sure I'm interested in, but I think that terms of like you watching porn, I don't feel bad about that. I think that if it's a thing that brings you pleasure, then that's not bad. I watch porn when I'm home um, and we're not together sometimes as like a masturbatory aid but yeah i don't have a ton of thoughts on it mm-hmm. i don't know if that yeah that's a good answer to your question but. it's a wonderful answer because it was your authentic answer yeah i also do watch porn when we're not together and i'm totally fine with you watching porn on your own too i think my thing with porn is that i'm realizing that it's not healthy for me like when i masturbate watching porn i think my orgasms are far better when I'm not watching porn. And I think sometimes I worry that it almost for me on my end creates a situation when then we are together because there's not that direct visual stimulation. It almost like it's very easy to become accustomed to getting turned on by seeing other people's bodies having sex. And yeah, so I have tried just for myself not to watch porn as much or at all. And I am fully okay with your decisions about how much porn you're watching. And, and I also like, I like that to be a conversation about what, what you're watching that maybe does turn you on. Nothing comes to mind really. I guess maybe one more thing in that category is what is a good way for you to receive if something in the moment that, you know, you know, a lot of the things that I like. But what happens if maybe I've just had a certain day where actually a thing that usually does feel really good, I actually don't want in the moment? What is the best way as your partner to let you know that? You know, and and not to hurt your feelings or not to say that it doesn't feel good sometimes, but what's a good way for me to let you know that? I would hope that my feelings wouldn't be hurt if it feels okay for you to just directly say that I know that this is something that usually I'm into, but I don't want to tonight. I guess I, I hope that you aren't too worried about my feelings being hurt by saying that because that's what you're feeling, you know? I but, think sometimes, I mean, it doesn't usually stop me, but I do think <laughs> some, you know, it's, I guess it's just nice to know. Um, sure. It's not something I'm too worried about. I okay. understand that moods change all the time for a lot of reasons. Like, I mean, ultimately, I think that sex with you is mostly just about having a close, intimate experience. Mm. So if something isn't good for any reason, I'm really open to changing things up, you know? So next up, we're on to the R. So relationship intentions or expectations. I am a heterosexual. I am monogamous. I, I have always been, when I am in a partnership, I have always been monogamous. And to me, what that means is, hmm, if it's a decision about our relationship that we make those decisions together first, honestly, even if that was to mean talking about a threesome or talking about things like that, like 
monogamy to me means that you and I are the ones that are making decisions about us together first. For me, it's it's like monogamy is just, in my experience, it's a consideration of the other person's feelings and intentions towards me mm. and, and wanting to be really respectful of that mm-hmm. and, and kind of wanting that respect to be returned. Respect meaning respectful of what would be harmful to that person. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't had very strict conversations. You know, things like is kissing somebody else a breach of monogamy, mm. you know, is like, is, you know, going dancing and grinding. Like, these aren't conversations we really have. I personally don't feel very strong desires towards people that I'm not in an intimate relationship with. And that's mm. been true of me for all, all forever. I mean, I feel my sexual desires and interests always feel very person specific. Mm. Even when I'm not in a relationship, they tend to be like, I fall hard for individuals. It's like that one person is the most beautiful person in the world. And I wouldn't want it. Like, I don't, it's hard to think about other people, mm-hmm. you know, that's just kind of the way I've always been. I think it's easier to think about what monogamy is based on what would be a breach of it. Like that, you saying it that way really helped me contextualize it for myself. Like for me, if you were to kiss somebody and then you came to me afterwards, then that to me, that is a breach of monogamy. But if we were to talk about it together first, yeah, being intimate with another person, intimate meaning physical contact I do think for me, flirting is okay. For me, that's kind of almost a turn on sometimes to know that other people are flirting with you or you're maybe flirting with them. But so that to me isn't a breach, but I do think any physical intimacy outside of you and I would feel like a breach. And even more long-term of like, we are thinking about moving in together. So sharing, potentially sharing, like we're going to be sharing monetary things soon too. And so thinking about even money, I guess, like, if we had shared money, it would feel like a breach if you were to spend our shared money or shared things on another individual without talking to me about it first. Sure. I, at this point in my life, don't know how I feel about marriage. I, I also don't know part of me really wants eventually to have a child. I think that I get really nervous about that thought. So in general, I think in a relationship, a monogamous relationship, I'd really like to live with you. I want to build things with you. So if that means a house, if that means a family, if that, you know, I I think that to me is where I'm at at this stage in my life. Um, What are your thoughts on marriage or kids? I don't also know about marriage, not about whether I want, like, like what I think about it in general. I guess I don't know. I think ceremonies are beautiful, but I don't think we need them to feel real feelings. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm not opposed to it. And I could see myself wanting to get married as well. Um, I do want kids one day. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something over the past few years that I've felt more is that I'm not in a rush. It's not something that I feel like I want tomorrow or next year or even in a few years but i think that eventually i would like to have kids um last question i want to ask you about the intentions is what do you feel comfortable with me sharing with my friends because my female friends are my chosen family essentially so in terms of expectations of what stays private for us versus what is comfortable for me to share hmm yeah, we've talked a little bit about that before. I guess I know that you value being able to be really open with your friends and that harbors deeper connections with them, which I I love that. I think that that's really great. I don't know that there's really that much that I'm not comfortable with you talking to them about. I non like non-sexual stuff like about like other things I guess worry me more like um like my butt sweat. I don't sweat a lot. <laughs> this is a really, really deep personal thing I'm throwing out there onto this podcast. But during sex, for some reason, my butt gets sweaty. And you've told you've told friends about that. And it's come up and I felt mm. embarrassed. Mm. I would say that that okay. was like an example of a thing. Not embarrassed deeply. I didn't feel mad at you that you did that or it didn't feel bad. It just was like a surprise. Like I did like a thing I wouldn't have, I didn't expect. And I didn't know that that was a thing that you were sharing with your friends. Mm. 
you're much more open with your friends, though. You talk to them about everything, and I, I, as I've told you, I don't really talk to my friends about sex. I haven't talked to them about sex with you really at all, I would say. As far as my expectations of you, I don't really need you to make a change. I don't feel uncomfortable with the way you've done things so far. Like, I guess it's just like the, an awareness that this person knows an awful lot about mm. me without me having said anything about those things to them is a slightly uncomfortable feeling, but not one I'm not okay with because I know that it makes you feel good to be able to talk. I guess I just want to dig deeper on that because I, that was a moment that came up and it really made me reflect that I shouldn't have done that without having that conversation with you first. And I, I hear what you're saying that it made you uncomfortable in the moment, but, and that you like me feeling bonded with my friends. I don't need to bond with my friends over your butt sweat. Like we have plenty of other things we can bond over. So I don't, I don't want to set your boundaries for you. I'm just saying that. I can handle your friends knowing a lot about me. There are moments of awkwardness or embarrassment that I think are going to stem from that, but I don't think that that's the most important thing. Thank you for, for telling me that. I do appreciate that. Sure. So um, last S would be the safer sex etiquette. So we did talk about our barriers. I guess the thing with barriers that you and I have talked about is we haven't tried anal sex yet. If we were to try anal sex, I think I would want a condom just because I worry so much about pooping everywhere that for my body to fully relax, I feel like that's something I would need. Um, I do have my IUD, my Mirena. And then I guess the big thing with this category that I really do like to talk about is our thoughts on kind of what makes consent consent. And if we can give consent, if there's been alcohol involved in the situation. Currently in our relationship, I do feel like for me, it's okay to be a little tipsy or drunk and be intimate. I actually really like having sex um, using marijuana. That is something that really helps me for the most part get into my body. And I don't do other recreational drugs, but those are kind of the big two. So how do you feel on A, alcohol and B, pot? I, in the past, was not really able to have sex while high on weed because I found it so disassociating in those moments. But that has not been my experience with you. I think that as far as sex while tipsy or drunk goes, the same is true for consent there that I feel is always true, which is that if any time you don't feel like the experience is good or that you're comfortable doing that, that you can say so, and that will be taken really seriously. And same for me. I, I wouldn't think that if I was drunk and you weren't and we had sex, that that would feel like a breach mm. of consent. I don't drink a lot. So yeah. okay. I would say that might be one of those things where it's a touch base after it happens. If like, if we are intimate while intoxicated, be like, did that feel okay? For you and I, this just hasn't come up because we just don't drink that much. I wouldn't feel good about wanting to have sex with you when you were drunk if yeah. you weren't the one initiating all of the steps of it. Okay. Um, just want to say to wrap up, this is that safer sex. I do. I have liked us trying to get better about washing hands before we play or touch each other. You know, it, it just feels safer. And then so washing hands before. And then I do really appreciate you, especially if you do come inside me, um, being the one to initiate getting the like cleanup things. Yeah, I liked that conversation. That made a lot of sense to me. <laughs> well, it just is on, like it's hard to do the waddle, and then it, you know. Sure. So I appreciate, I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> and unless, are there any other things for you, babe, for safer, like things that make you feel safer, hmm. or that are a need for you? I don't think so. I already feel really, really safe. I feel comfortable. Yeah. I have one additional question. Um, both of you have said that at some point in the future, you might like to have kids or you would like to have kids out into the future. So what about if there were an unintended pregnancy? Mm, that's heavy. <laughs> it's heavy. It's heavy. And also 
such a good question. It is um, a really good question. It's one of those things that I avoid thinking about. Yeah. For me, I think the where my life is right now, I wouldn't feel comfortable bringing a baby into the world really for probably the next two or three years. Yeah. I feel the same. I guess to answer your question about the unexpected pregnancy, I would also, I guess I, if I'm being really honest, I would be willing if you wanted to have a kid to go to term, if that Mm -hmm. was what felt good for you. I don't know that it's what I would want the most, but it is something that I think I would be able to figure out. I'm also really okay with you not wanting to go to term. Mm. I think that an abortion or some other sort of method for makes a lot of sense and is something I'm also okay with. Okay. That makes sense. Well, I want to thank you both for doing this. That was beyond my even <laughs> highest expectations of how this would go. So I'm thrilled. Uh, oh wow. <laughs> Yay. I do really appreciate the questions that you asked because it was, it's nice to kind of have another person almost bring you back to something that maybe you missed in the moment or just cover something that like that, the last question you know, we always talk about our turn-ons and sometimes our avoids. I think the beauty of it in a relationship is that when you use the whole framework, you kind of talk about the things that you do unintentionally end up avoiding just because they're harder. I guess it was a good reminder that there are things that we end up not talking about just because they may be a little harder than our turn-on. So it was was like really nice to kind of go through it with you and then to Leah have you be our our guardian for the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) It was very much my pleasure. Thank you, Suara. I really love being able to talk to you about, Mm. about these things, even if it is kind of uncomfortable for me. Mm. You are so welcome. And I, I feel very, very lucky that you're always, that we're always talking. So thank you. Same. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) I love you too. Hey friends, a quick note before we close for the day. If you've been inspired to have a conversation with your current partner or practice so you can have it with a future sexual partner, I'm here to help. Go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching to set up an appointment. I can sit with you and a partner to facilitate the two of you having a conversation like I did with Samara and Caleb or I can work one-on-one with anyone who wants to develop your own STARS talk. You may have noted that what we've heard today is approximately three times longer than the sample conversation Ray and I had back in 2019. That's likely because Samara and Caleb are already in a committed relationship, so they have lots of information about each other to draw on. But the STARS conversation can happen in 15 minutes or less if you're talking with someone you don't know well before a first hookup. It does not need to be overwhelming. This conversation is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself and each other in your sex life. It reduces the amount of time you spend wondering if you're doing the things your partner likes or stressing that maybe you're doing something wrong and it opens the door to continue having conversations about sex, what's working for you and what's not throughout the life of your relationship. So go to leahcarry.com slash coaching to set up a time so I can help you figure out how your stars align. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, 
and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>